we are going to be reading, and we're going to jump around a little bit like we did this morning, but we are going to be reading Judges 16. We're in chapter, Judges chapter 16. You can't hear me? I can hear myself. I'm not sure how you can't hear me. Judges chapter 16, verses 17 through 22, and then we're going to pop down to 28 through 30. Judges 16, 17 through 22, then 28 through 30. I want to make sure y'all know how to skip down in your Bibles this week, okay? If you guys, yeah, I'm teaching you how to skip a little bit. Let's see. When you got it, say you got it. If you don't, say hold up. All right. I hear no hold up, so we're going to get right into it. It says, finally, Samson shared his secret with her. I'm reading out New Living Translations. Yours may look a little different. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent to the Philistine rulers, come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When, and when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. We'll pop down to verse 28. And verse 28 says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord. And in this time, most of y'all probably know the story. He's already out. They're making fun of him. He's in between the two pillars. It says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had when he was alive. I want to talk to y'all today for a very short amount of time. We'll be here till tomorrow, 10 hours. Okay. So everybody strap in, get you some coffee. We're going to be here for a little bit. I want to talk to you tonight about divine symbolism. Divine symbolism. And I also want to talk to you a little bit about misconceptions. Can you might tell me some misconceptions that you believed your entire life you found out weren't true? (laughs) 
Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, if your kids are watching, cover their ears during this part. <laughs> One that you always see, and as a kid that watches cartoons and as an adult who will find himself still sitting in front of a TV watching a cartoon, if it's on. Um, you know, they always show, especially in like Looney Tunes and stuff, there's always that, the matador with the red, red cape always taunting the bull, right? And it, the bull gets so mad. And you're like, bulls hate the color red. So as long as you're not wearing red, you're fine. That's what, that's what cartoons taught us, right? But they're colorblind. They're completely colorblind. They can't even see red. And I'll tell you another, just a funny aside about being colorblind. You know, dogs are colorblind, too. And we always think that they can see them, they see them black and white, right? They're actually, they're actually red-green colorblind. So they see everything in, like, blues and yellows. Well, me and Ashley one night, they're sitting there eating cheeses on the couch. And our dog, Nina, our, our little sweet pit bull, the best dog in our entire house. I don't have a favorite, obviously. Um, she will catch anything you throw at her. So it's great. Anytime we have snacks, if we're feeding the dogs, you just throw it to Nina, and she just, it's like Jaws coming up and just grabs it. And so we're eating Cheez-Its one night, and we're, we're throwing them to Nina. Well, she missed one, and it lands on the carpet. Now, the carpet is white and blue, kind of, a little, couple more colors in it, but mainly white and blue. And cheese is bright orange. And we sat there and watched, I think for 30 minutes to an hour, and she was sitting by it, she was walking around it, and wouldn't pick it up. I was like, you have to be smelling it at this point. She was so close to it. I was like, you have to know where this is at. And then she finally got it. So we were making fun of her. I was like, there's no way they don't see it. It turns out dogs don't see orange. If you guys were wondering, it looks blue to them. And on a blue carpet, it made me feel a little bad. <laughs> Very important to know how animals are colorblind. That's all I'm saying. But bring us back to the lesson. Another thing that we found that, we're, you know, that people love to say is that you should wait 30 minutes after eating before you go swimming. Because you'll get cramps and die. You'll drown. That was the whole point, right? Keep your kids safe. That's not even true. You got kids afraid to go in the water because they just had a sandwich. Because they think, oh, I'll go in there, I'll get a cramp, and I'll drown and die. It's like, it's a stand-up pool, guys. <laughs> you know? It's not, they're not going to fall apart in a stand-up pool, but we always love to believe those things. Another good one is that Columbus founded America. And this one's so bad that we have a holiday for it. We get off work in some places. Most schools close for it. He didn't even land here. <laughs> yeah. Columbus landed in the island like in the Bahamas, Caribbean region. They didn't land in America. In fact, the first people to find America were the Vikings. Hundreds of years before Columbus ever even sailed the ocean blue. And so we, we latch on to these misconceptions. And we latch on to these things that are not truths, but we choose to believe they're truths, and we hold on to them. And we do the same thing in life. We do the same thing with God. We latch on to the things that church tells us is how we have to act or how we have to dress or how we have to do certain things. And soon that becomes the law of God. And some, of, some people may, like, may not like this, but uh, the Pharisees did the same thing. You know, the people that crucified Jesus, 
They were all about that. All about it. They were adding laws. They're like, God doesn't have enough laws. Let's add some more laws on top of it. In Israel, you can go in today during the Sabbath, and elevators don't run in the hotel. You didn't know that. On the Sabbath, no, no, they do run in hotels, sorry. They stop on every floor because it's considered work to hit the button for the elevator. That's not a joke. And they stop on every single floor because it would be considered work to hit the button on the elevator. And Jesus, I'm pretty sure, when God made the Sabbath, was not like, okay, you can't press the button. They, count, they have a certain number of steps they can do on the Sabbath. It can get that extreme. In the same way, we love to believe, <laughs> in the same way, we love to believe certain things and attach them to truth. We take opinions and we attach them to truth. In the same way, we're going to talk about Samson. Does anybody know what it means to be a Nazarite? I know this is supposed to be preachy, but I'm, we, we, we're in a community setting. To be a Nazarite, there's three rules. And you can find this back in um, Numbers 13, I believe. I may be, I may be wrong on that chapter, but it's, it's right in getting in Numbers. You can't drink any wine. Samson's mother couldn't drink any wine once she was pregnant with him. Can't, yeah, it, I mean, they shouldn't eat anyway, but, I mean, that you know. God was just like, hey, this isn't important to the whole Nazarite thing. Just don't do it. Like, your baby will be better off if you don't drink alcohol while you're pregnant. Um, you can't touch a dead body, and you can't cut your hair. And... Okay, so you look at that list, and you're like, oh, well, Samson didn't cut his hair. There's nowhere clearly stated that he drank any wine. Now, he did have a party for a week, and you can take that as you want to with some non-Christian people, okay? Some people are like, he was drinking. He was drinking. They're like, oh, yeah, the person at the restaurant who didn't have nowhere to sit, so they sat at the bar that was at your church, and you're like, they were drinking. They were drinking. It's like, no, I just really wanted to eat fast and go home. But you know, we love to say that, but there is one that he did break way before he cut his hair. Samson was killing people. And you're like, okay, well, maybe he didn't touch the dead body after he murdered them. We could go there. We could go there. Except for the fact that there's a whole story where he has to give clothes to people because he lost the bet, and he takes them off the dead bodies. So being the Nazarite wasn't the important part then, right? He's already broken the rules. And in fact, if, if you research more into the Nazarite, the Nazarite was a Nazarite vow. There was only a few people that did it for a lifetime. To be a Nazarite was a certain period of time that you didn't cut your hair and you didn't do these things as a dedication to God. To us, it's like fasting, you know. We fast, so we dedicate ourselves to God. You know, we do all that at the beginning of the year. Most people do. And that is kind of the same thing, but to an extreme. Because I don't know if I could go without cutting my hair for God knows how long they would do it. Um, but that's how it worked. And so Samson starts to believe, okay, well, I still have my strength after I touch the dead bodies. So, obviously, the hair is the important thing. That was the only other thing given, right? Don't drink. Okay, didn't do that. Uh, don't touch the dead body. Well, I did that, and my hair... Don't cut my hair. Well, my hair's still here. I still have my strength, so I'm good. And so 
I can imagine that after that day, now the, the, the touching the dead bodies happens very early on in Samson's story. I can imagine that after that day, he's probably sitting there thinking, okay, as long as I have the hair, I'm good. As long as I have my hair, I'm good. And when you tell yourself that every day, you start to believe it. Because a lot of us will say, as long as I have the job, I'm good. As long as I can pay my bills, I'm good. As long as I have what I need, I'm good. And we start to associate those things. Instead of associating with the God, we start to associate it with us. We start to believe, okay, well, I have the job. I buy the groceries. I pay the bills. I put the gas in the car. I get to church early to unlock the doors. I do all these things. And you start to start to change your God statements with I statements. And you can even see how much Samson believes this later on in the text because he says, if you cut my hair, my hair, I will lose my strength. And I'll be just like any normal person. A lot of, a lot of my is in there. And so we start to see that what, has, what was once a symbol of the Nazarite vow, that's how they were recognized was by their hair. That's how you knew, hey, don't drink around that person because you see how long their hair is? They're, they're doing the vow. Don't, do, don't, don't drink around them. Don't, don't do all this stuff around them. Don't, don't put them on the battlefield. They, they're doing the vow. That was their sign that that's what they were. That was the sign of being a Nazarite. And what was once a symbol was now a truth. It had been contorted to say, instead of this being a symbol of my dedication to God, it's instead my power. It's where my power comes from. Samson thought shaving his head was his kryptonite. And a lot of us would do the same thing. The second we lose the job and everything starts crashing down, then we want to go back and go, oh, God, I need your help. But it wasn't, oh, God, I need your help when you stopped working hard on the job two years ago. Right? It wasn't, oh, God, I need your help when you start taking everything for granted. It was, I got this. And so just like the misconceptions we started off tonight with, Samson's symbol became strength just like your job became earned, deserved for some of us. Your house became bought instead of given by God. Your breath became natural instead of an allowance by God. And so we start to, to miss out on the fact that, that our job is God's favor. The promotion you got, guess what? You probably didn't deserve it. Sorry to, sorry to burst your bubble. God's favor isn't fair. I can tell you that firsthand. And we, we go and we say, I earned it. I earned it. I earned it. And then when you get into the job your first day, it's easy to say I earned it before you get into the new job or until you get into the new promotion or you get into the new area of life and say, I deserve this. And then you get there and you're like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. It's so easy to say that. And then your house becomes 
Your house is that's supposed to be God's provision for you. So you have somewhere to sleep. You have somewhere to be comfortable. You have somewhere to lay your head. You have somewhere that keeps your family out of the wilderness and, and safe. We, we, we twist it. We just keep twisting it, keep twisting it, keep twisting it. Because before we forget that, oh, yeah, the house I had before that I needed to get out of to get in this house so my life would still be okay. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for God to give it to me. We, were, we complete, completely forget about that. I can tell you that firsthand. I've only been in my house two years. My old house, the floor fell out. We replaced it multiple times. In, in four years. Not even four years. We replaced it in, multiple times in two years. Ashley was in it for four years. I remember working from home, planning a sermon, working from home, tearing out floor all at the same time, and going, if we ever have to do this again, I'm going to lose my mind. And you know, in a couple months, you're like, does that feel soft? <laughs> you're walking everywhere. You're like, I felt a squish right there. And it's like, no, you didn't. You didn't. And it's like, but what if I did? You know, it starts to get in your mind. I remember sitting in the house with no AC in the summer. We had two, we had two of those little stand-up air conditioning units. And even with those going, and then even when we got a big air conditioning unit to put in the window that was like $600, it was super nice. It, it, was, the best, it was a good air conditioning unit, I'm not going to lie. It would be like 86 degrees in the house. We have four fans in one room. I'm sweating watching TV. <laughs> and you forget those things when you're like, oh, you know what? My house, God, it is a little hot tonight, God. I think I'm going to turn it down from 70 to 68 so I can get some sleep. And you're like, you get pampered real quick, right? <laughs> it goes from, I didn't have air conditioning. I'm sweating in my sleep all night to, man, 70 is hot. God, I don't know how people stand it, right? And we do the same thing. I mean, we, we do the same thing. Our breath that we breathe every day, we think it's just, oh, okay, I should wake up every morning. And I hope, I hope you know, we assume that, you know, we probably should. You're doing good. Probably want to wake up every morning. But every breath that we have is God's grace to allow us to have it. God gives us our breath so that we can use it to praise him. And a lot of times, like I talked about this morning, uh, we, we pick up and we waste. 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 You could take that, that daily bread thing from this morning and change it to breath, and it works the same way. We'll use the breath that God's given us to curse people out on the phone. I'm sorry. Some of y'all are really Christian. Um, you'll curse people out in your mind. Let's fix that, right? Or we'll use it to to scream and yell at people when we're stuck in traffic. We do all these things and we waste what God's given us or don't even give him acknowledgement for it. Some of us go the whole day and just forget to pray. We don't even get that far with God's breath. The peace that you have in life is only God's mercy for you. And I know, you know, it's like holiday season, so probably very little peace going on right now until we get to Christmas and everyone can, can relax some. But still... Even the little moments, the few minutes of peace is God saying, here, you really need this, so I'm going to give it to you. 
Our salvation is a whole point of God's mercy. But a lot of times, we'll come in and go, well, I pay for it. I pay for my salvation with my tithes. I put my 10% in, paying off that loan, as if you can pay it for it or you can earn it. You're like, well, I volunteered at the soup kitchen, and God's like, that's great. Good job. But when's the last time you've been to church? When's the last time you read your Bible? Because the same thing is, last time you've been to church doesn't mean anything if you're not reading your Bible and praying and, and worshiping in your own time. It's like, okay, it's nice you went to church. But God doesn't just live in here. God's not trapped in the church so you can have some visitation rights every Sunday and Wednesday night, or in this case, Sunday night, just so you can come by and visit him and go, hey, God, how are you doing? How's it, how's it hanging in here? Okay, I'm going to leave. And he walks with you out the door. You, you're, he sits in the car with you on the way to work. He sits in the car with you on your way home. He sits in the car with you anywhere you go. He follows right behind you everywhere you go. But we don't treat him like that. We treat him like, okay, well, on the way to church, we listen to Christian music. But on the way back from church, you can listen to whatever you like because now we're leaving God, so we're good. But on the way to God, we got to make sure we're getting right. That's not a joke. I've, I, I read that in a book that, that that's what people have done. I'm like, he's like, as if God's presence left when you left the, the lot of land that it was, that the church was built on. But we, we, we fall short. We fall on our face. Most of us don't get our eyes gouged out, so we're doing good there, I guess, like Samson. Um, but we fall short. We fall on our face and, until something tears apart. Then we turn back and notice it. Once you lose your peace, you're like, oh, man, God really gave me so much peace, and I really want it back. Once you lose the house, and you have to go back to one where the floor is falling out, God, help me, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> please, Jesus, do not let me go back to the house with no floor. But if that was to happen, you're like, man, I remember when we had air conditioning, and it was nice. It was so nice. It's, it's the second that we lose things that we realize, oh, man, remember when we had it? This morning that we talked about the same thing. Israel goes without food for a few days, y'all. It wasn't like a couple weeks. They weren't on the edge of starvation. It was a couple days. And they're like, man, remember in Egypt, like we had food to eat and bread to eat, and it was full. And it's like, and not good. <laughs> it was, y'all weren't get, y'all were getting the scraps that were left over. You weren't getting the good stuff as soon as you bake the bread and you hear that little crunch on it, like I talked about this morning, you know, you know it's fresh. Instead, you're like, oh, well, the bread only had a little mold on it, but it was still edible. Like, you know, we'll always start to remember the things when we were gone without them. And I got to imagine as Samson was in that prison for, I, I, we don't really know how long he was there. He's probably sitting there, no eyes. All he can do is hear and listen. And he's trapped in a cell. He's probably like, man, remember when I had eyes? Like seeing was nice. I could see things. And I was strong. He toted the gates away from a city, y'all. He was strong. Instead, now he's sitting on a floor, weak as can be, no eyes, and he's like, it was nice when I had those things. And it changes from when I had those things to, remember when I had Jesus? Remember when God was with me? Remember when I was listening to him? 
I wasn't going out and doing my own thing. I wasn't going out and just doing whatever I wanted. Well, that was nice too. And so a lot of times when we hear this preached, a lot of people love to preach um, verse 22. That Samson's hair started to grow back. And that's where his power came from. Now, we know that's not true. Sorry to burst your bubble if you thought Samson's hair growing back is because that's where he got his power back at. He didn't push the boulders over before he talked to God, okay? He didn't push the pillars down before he talked to God. I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble there, but there's a misconception. That's why we started with misconceptions. There's one right there. Instead, the hair growing back has a more important symbol to it if we go back to numbers. Because there's a point in the Nazarite law because God knows that we're human, and he knows we make mistakes, that he says, okay, if they touch a dead body, if they screw up with their drinks, if they screw up with anything else, cut all their hair off, offer something, start it all over again. And so the hair growing back wasn't, oh, hey, Samson's hair is growing back because they, didn't, they forgot to shave it. Your enemies forgot to keep track of you. And, and it's, it's, a nice, it's nice. It's technically true. They forgot to keep going back into shaving his head. But instead, it was God saying, we're renewing this covenant now. I'm, I know you're in the prison. I know you don't have eyes. I know you're, the strength has left you because I have left you. But even though you're in this dark place, even though you're in this spot where you don't have anything left, I'm still beside you. I'm still here to renew this covenant with you. And as your hair starts to grow, your relationship with me will start to grow too because that's where the power came from. And so Samson gets back up. He gets his opportunity. Samson was a man of opportunity. You can go read all the, all the chapters. He loves some opportunity to screw stuff up. And he, 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 that's how he kills everybody. I'm just Every time he kills somebody, it's like, got an opportunity to screw something up. Let me go screw it up. So he, he gets there, and he, they put him in between the pillars to make fun of him. And before he even touches him, before he even, he even starts to push on him a little bit, he's like, okay, God, I know I screwed up. I know you know I screwed up. And I know that you were with me in the prison cell, and I know that you were with me when my eyes were gouged out. I know you were with me when I said it was my strength. But God, I know that it's your strength now. I know that you're the only one who can provide it for me. I know it doesn't have to be about long hair. I know it doesn't mean I have to have all these braids going down my back and all the hair I have to wash every day. I know it's about getting up and taking the time with you. And so if you will give me one chance, I'm not asking for the rest of my life. I'm just saying, can you give me one opportunity to do what you have told me to do? Because that's what God promised for Samson. He didn't say Samson's going to lead Israel. He wasn't Gideon. He wasn't going to lead Israel and conquer all these battles and win all these battles with small amounts of soldiers. He said Samson will start to bring you back from, where the, from the Philistine captivity. Not that he was going to end it. He was going to start it. And so he said, okay. Samson, the, the good thing is, is, while they're praising their God, they don't know that it was my plan the entire time. It was my plan for them to call you out here. It was my plan for them to go to a temple that only had two pillars holding it up 
that seems like a big OSHA violation, but that was all my plan for me to put you in, and have someone actually bring you to the only two pillars holding up the building and place you in between them. And so you asking me of this is great because that's what I wanted you to do. Samson listened in his wilderness that we talked about this morning. He listened and said, okay, I know where you want me to go now. Now that I've lost everything, I know where you want me to go. Just allow me to do it. And all those I statements and my statements change to you statements. God, only you, sovereign Lord. Samson only prays twice in his story. Only prays twice. And one time it's because he's really hungry and he's kind of complaining. You're not going to let me starve out here, right? And you go from this, this kind of complaining and, and whining and moaning Samson to Samson going, God, it's you. I'm here for a reason. Let me do it. In our same lives, we get over here, and when we're thinking that it's all us that's doing everything, we love to whine and complain to God. We love to go, God, I just had such a hard day at work today. You don't understand. Somebody talked a little rude to me on the phone. And I say this because I do this. I worked in tech support for a year and a half. I know. <laughs> okay? I still take tech support calls, and I get some that I'm like, oh, man, these people are really mean at 2 o'clock in the morning. But we, we get there, and we love to, to whine and complain instead of just shifting our focus from, okay, you're complaining about the job God give it, gave you. You're complaining about the place that God puts you at. Instead of saying, okay, God, thank you for letting me be here. Let me do what you want me to do. Give me the opportunity you have for me. And so, I'm going to close it up here. Samson's symbol of his hair growing back is that renewed covenant with God that allowed him to do everything he needed to do. But if we shifted our focus from looking at everything and going, well, everyone else has this, so this is normal. Everyone else has a house. It's normal. Everyone else has a car. It's normal. Instead of looking at it and go, well, this is just part of life. This is just what happens in life. And saying, okay, if my house is a symbol for God's favor, and my job is a symbol for God's favor, and my salvation is a symbol of God's mercy, the food on my table is a symbol of Jehovah Jireh, God's prov the provider, then how else would we look at it differently? I've seen this thing at work that and someone put it on the fridge. And every time I see it, I think about it. But a lot of times, I'll be honest, the second I walk away, I'll think about it for a few minutes, and then it's gone. But I think it's a little magnet on the fridge, and it says, if all you had today was what you thanked God yesterday for, what would you have? And that puts a whole different mindset in it. Because then, you know, your prayers get a lot longer. You're like, God, thank you for the house. Thank you for the car. Thank you for the dogs. Thank you for the food. Thank you for you start naming things and your <laughs> and all the stuff that you have, right? Because we want to make sure that we're we're thanking God for everything. If that's how if that's how our life had to be lived, we, some of us be praying for hours. And people with mansions would be they'd have to be praying for a long time. They're like, God, I thank you for the fifteen chairs 
and couches in this house. I thank you for all 17 of my bathrooms. You know, we, we'd be going for a while if we had to live our life like that and living our life and saying, let me name each individual thing. But instead of naming each individual thing, let's, let's think of each individual thing as a symbol of what God is providing for us. Because God loves to work in symbols. That's why Jesus talked in parables. So if you don't do anything else tonight, if you don't do anything else this week, at least let's try to think about things when we look at them and go, okay, what is God doing in that thing? You know, when you watch your TV or you sit on your couch or anything like that, anything that you do this week, think, okay, if this is a symbol of God, what does it mean? All right, take, go back to English class, which everyone loved, not me. But everyone loved English class, and, you know, you read it, and you go, okay, well, tell me what this means. I was not good at that, but I'm telling y'all to do it, so that way y'all can tell me how to do it, obviously. But that's all I have for tonight.